This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi friends and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome. And we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it and I'll see you on the other side. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Open House podcast. Today, I have Emily McDonald, neuroscientist, back with me again. If you haven't already listened to our first episode on basically the neuroscience of heartbreak, you need to go and listen to that episode because we had people saying all the time, I'm so heartbroken, like I can't think my way out of it. That's when I found Emily. I found her on TikTok. I was like, this girl is incredible. She's smart. She's sexy. She's cool. She's all the things that I love a strong woman to be in today's world. And I was like, we need her on the podcast That episode flew. We always said we wanted to get back on here together, but as you guys know, life is busy, but today is the day. Emily is back with me and we're going to be discussing all things morning routine. And more importantly, excuse my language, a morning routine that actually fucking works because I am so sick of opening my Instagram, opening my TikTok and a million Pilates girls telling me they do this and they do that and they're never stressed and life is so good and so easy and their day starts at 4am. That just is not my reality. Like I am the person that wakes up I'm tired. I don't jump out of bed and I still do want to pick up my phone on the bedside table. So today I'm going to be asking Emily, where do we start with this? What should we be doing? Asking a neuroscientist all of the questions that really we need the answers to. So Emily, welcome back. I'm so happy to have you here. Your TikTok has been blowing up recently. You've been being featured all over the news and Huffington Post. And every time I see you, I'm like, yes, I am absolutely stoked for you. So I'd just love to know, how are you? And I guess let's start with what's the first thing that you do when you wake up? Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm doing amazing been going crazy viral on TikTok lately. And it's really exciting. And I'm just really excited to be able to reach more people. I do want to say I got you on the restful sleep. We'll get there later in the episode. The tips that I'm going to share, I actually have posted TikToks about them before. I don't personally wear an aura ring or track my sleep restfulness, but I've had people tell me that they've gotten the highest percentage of deep sleep they've ever gotten before 
using the tips that I give. So that's really exciting. You're going to hear a whole bunch of things today, but if you take just a couple things out of here and incorporate them into the routine that you personally have, and the, the best morning routine is going to be the one that is developed for you personally, and also one that you stick to. So if I say I'm meditating for 10 to 20 minutes, you know, I think the most important thing is making it a habit. And what makes it a habit is just doing it. So if you can't work out for an hour, if all you can work out for is 10 minutes, do it for 10 minutes because building the habit is the most important part. So the first thing that I do when I wake up in the morning is listen to positive affirmations and speak my intentions out for the day. And that is literally like as soon as my eyes open, that's the first thing I do. And that's because when we first wake up in the morning, we have neurons in our brain that are always firing, right? And when they're firing in synchrony or in groups and they're contacting each other, those firing patterns create brain waves. And those brain waves, they transition all the time. We always have a combination of different brain waves happening at any given time. But when we're in deep sleep, we have a higher amount of delta waves in the brain. And then as we wake up, our brain waves transition from delta to theta to alpha. And it's not like all of our brain waves are that, but that's we see an increase in activity in out al- and theta and then alpha and the decrease in delta as we're waking up. And that's important because we actually there is science to suggest that we are more receptive to information that's coming in when we have a more alpha or theta waves in the brain. For example, when we're in meditation or when we're in hypnosis, under hypnosis, we see an increase in alpha and theta waves. And that is when our brain is thought to be more susceptible. And so that is why I don't go on social media or check my phone as soon as I wake up in the morning because it can put your brain in a state of stress. I have my Instagram tailored to what I want to see for my mental health. So I only follow positive accounts, people that spread good messages or close friends. But still, you never know what you're going to see on there. And it's important that you're taking control over what you put into your mind, especially during this time. So that is a reason why I don't check social media. But there's more reasons as well, such as cortisol. When we're waking up and we have these brainwave transitions, this is really important for allowing our brain to transition slowly, right? But if you're immediately checking your phone, you're skipping through this transition and you're causing your brain to go straight into an alert state and doing that increases cortisol and it increases stress and it puts you at a higher risk of stress throughout the day and then a third reason why I don't go on my phone as soon as I wake up in the morning is dopamine dopamine is such a hot topic everyone loves talking about dopamine and we always have a baseline firing of dopamine all the time like our brain is always signaling with dopamine. It's called tonic firing and it's just always going. Uh, Dopamine is always signaling. But when you check your phone in the morning, let's say this baseline now of dopamine firing has been increased because you just checked your phone in the morning and now you got a whole dopamine. You just got like a whole bunch of dopamine from checking your phone when you first woke up in the morning. And now it's almost like you're in like a drug kind of cycle where the phone is the drug and you're checking your phone and you get that dopamine hit. And now the rest of the day, your brain is going to be craving that dopamine. And so you're just going to keep going back and checking and checking and checking. I feel so much different on days that I forget that I shouldn't check my phone as soon as I wake up in the morning. So personally, I think it's one of the most important things that you can do. And that is the first thing that I do when I wake up in the morning. 
That is so interesting, particularly that piece around tonic firing, because I feel like you log onto TikTok and you see people talking about these dopamine topics, right? But just to hear from a neuroscientist, I think is so helpful. I've never even heard of tonic firing before. So I'm like, I've already learned something new. I think what's even more interesting for me is you see these TikToks about people saying, yeah, the first dopamine hit you get of the day sets the playing field for the remainder. And that's kind of what you've just confirmed there. And I also think what was so interesting was you saying you can't control what we see. And it's exactly like that for me. Like sometimes I'll wake up and I might have been trolled, you know, TikTok's crazy, you'll have it as well. Like you could have like horrendous messages on TikTok, or even if you're not someone who has a social media presence, you never know when you turn on your phone, what's going to come in. Now, part of that fear is why I check it because my body is like, I need to be in control. I need to just know, am I okay? Have I been canceled? Have I been fired, et cetera, et cetera. But what I've realized is you need to become okay in that state of almost like apprehension and fear. And what I've learned from that is you can only be okay in that state when you sort of remain in this more rest and digest state because you are intrinsically more calm, more centered. And even if something bad does happen, you know that you can handle it rather than just like flying straight into your fight or flight. And I guess that to some extent that kind of brings us to this point around cortisol and cortisol regulation. Is that another reason that you don't look at your phone in the morning? Like what does cortisol regulation even mean for people listening that are like, I don't know what that means? Yeah. So cortisol is a hormone. It's often associated with stress, but it is important for waking up in the day as well. That's another reason why people say sunlight is really important in the morning is because you get a cortisol boost in the morning. And that's a good cortisol boost because that stress is allowing you to wake up and feel alert. But there is such thing as bad cortisol, and that's when it's chronic or when we're having that too late in the day, and then that can cause you to not be able to fall asleep at night. But yeah, regulating your cortisol is really important, and I think that's a great point, and I can completely relate to you about like when you wake up in the morning, especially with TikTok, because I really don't go on TikTok unless I'm posting, but... I could like when I wake up, I'm like, oh, I want to check my phone. And that is and I really have had to just let go and be OK with whatever's going on and realize that, that it's separate from my life and who I am. But cortisol is really important for the sleep wake cycle and for energy levels. For example, if you check your phone first thing in the morning, that blue light it, that can disrupt cortisol regulation. And that's another reason why it can suppress the cortisol release, which disrupts our natural wake up process. So that's another reason why you don't want to check your phone in the morning. Okay, on this topic, my question for you is, is it better than to put down your phone in the morning or to even just like leave it outside the bedroom? You know, anyone that leaves their phone outside the bedroom, well done to you. Because that is a step that I have got literally nowhere, <laughs> nowhere near. But I have got to a point now where like, and we'll talk about my experience later in this episode, I'm sure. But for example, on Monday, I woke up with my alarm and I didn't touch my phone. I turned off all my notifications on TikTok, on WhatsApp, so I could actually open Spotify, get the breathing track and like the meditation track that I wanted from Spotify without all the notifications coming in. That for me, I found was like really helpful because it almost gave me that hit of picking up my phone. My brain kind of was like, okay, I'm getting what I need, what I'm addicted to, because the truth is we are all addicted, maybe not Emily, but the rest of us. And then I was able to like go outside and do the things that I'm learning from people like you, I need to do. 
Okay. So number one, I don't leave my phone outside my room in the morning uh, or outside (laughs) my room at night. I actually sleep to sleep frequencies that we'll talk about later. And so for that reason, I have my phone in my room. But I actually always have all of my notifications off for all social media apps. Like I don't ever get (laughs) all the time, all the time, all the time. I never have notifications on for any social media ever at all. Tell me why, please. (laughs) Yeah. So there's multiple reasons why, but one is that dopamine boost that we were talking about. Like that happens. I mean, in the morning, it's especially important, but just throughout the day, right? I'm very ADHD and I'm, I have a lot to do and I have a lot going on. And if I see a notification pop up on my phone, I'm going to want to look at it. I just know that I will want that. So I turn them off. And for me, it allows me to be less distracted, but also it keeps my dopamine in check. And then it also allows me to only go on social media when I truly want to go on social media. Then I feel like I have way more control of my social media usage because of that. And I'm only checking social media when I actually want to check it, not because I saw a notification. Yeah. And before we get to the sunlight, I want to just jump in there and say I was watching, I think it was like a Huberman Lab excerpt yesterday with Tim Ferriss. He was saying you need to lean more towards like task blocking as well, where like you don't jump between a million tasks. And I realized like I am so high functioning that I'm able to jump between a hundred different apps and a hundred different tabs and I can make everything work. And I've always just thought, oh, that's just how I work. And then I've realized actually how incredibly taxing that is on me. And just to your point about like turning off notifications, I think it can help you stay in the more task focused thing because you're less likely to jump out of the task you're doing because you haven't just got a notification from someone. Our body is like, oh, I'll just do that quickly. I'll just do that quickly. And then I'll come back to this. And then when we have that going on a million different things, I don't think we realize the impact that it has on us. And I deleted one particular app that I have that was causing me quite a lot of stress. I deleted it on my phone on Sunday because it was causing me loads of stress on my day off. I was like, I'm just going to have it on my computer. So when I'm in work mode, sat, well, which is the whole time, but when I'm at least sat at my desk and working, I can deal with it then. I cannot tell you the difference it has made to just not have these notifications come through on my phone. Like, I just want to say I am so with you on that. And actually, you've already inspired me to go ahead and turn off all my other notifications when we get off this recording. Yeah, I actually do just want to add that I completely 100% recommend to everyone turn your notifications off for all your social media apps. It's one thing like when your phone, I put people put their phones on do not disturb when they're doing work or whatever. But even when like I'm not doing work, I don't want to be always on social media. You know, like when I'm with my friends or I'm with my family, I don't want to be distracted or feel called to check my phone or check social media. I want to be in the present moment. And it is an addiction. Anytime like you're craving dopamine and then you have a withdrawal, which is craving and then leads to craving. Yeah, totally. It is an addiction. Phone addiction is a real thing. Yeah, there you can really be addicted to anything. That was something that I learned when I was studying addiction in grad school. There are so many different types of addiction. And really, it just it, what um, qualifies something as addiction is if you have the DSM-5 criteria and if you are going through withdrawal and then craving. And I could definitely say that people do experience withdrawal and craving from their phones. Yeah, totally. I mean, you just have to listen to people that say that they've deleted Instagram off their phone or TikTok or whatever. They they find themselves picking up their phone and their thumb literally goes to the space that the app used to be and it's not there anymore. Like I've done that before. It is 
an addiction just like so many other things. And I think that the difficult thing with addiction is that it feels good so much of the time. So it is so fun to pick it up, to scroll, to see if a notification has come in. Has that person replied? Oh my God, what's going on on TikTok? Have I got any good news in my emails? Have I got any bad news in my emails? It, it does feel good. And I think that's why maybe it's like the silent addiction of our phones, because it's not like we're all jacking up heroin or like snorting cocaine 500 times a day. But like, if you look in your settings at how many times you're picking up your phone, for most of us, it's a high number. So yeah. Yeah. And like you call it, you say heroin and you think about the other drugs and you think about how it ruins people's lives and it's so evident. But you go out to a restaurant and you look around and everyone's got their heads buried in their phones. And I'm not going to say it's just as bad because it's a completely different thing, but it's changing people's lives. And I have noticed a huge difference in my mental health, like being able to walk around and have genuine conversations with people. People walk up to me and talk to me all the time. They're like, you just look so approachable because you're walking around smiling at everyone. And I'm like, yeah, because I'm looking around. I'm present. Like I'm not staring down in my phone the whole time. And I think the other aspect, actually, and I wanted to make a TikTok about this, is tolerance, because we totally get a tolerance from dopamine from social media. Like when I first started blowing up, when my video two weeks ago hit one million views, I was like so excited, right? But then it's at like 8.6 million now, and I don't feel any better about the 8.6 million than I did at the one million. And that was something I was talking to my friend about the other day. And I was like, I want to think about this a little more and make a video about it because that there's totally a tolerance when it comes to dopamine and social media. And I loved what you said is like putting your phone down allows you to be more conscious. You're just present, like you're in the moment, you're experiencing things and people and feelings and the human connection with people around us. Like human connection is what is going to save us, fill us up, regulate our nervous systems, not the stuff that's going on in the apps. So I love that. But yeah, Let's go back to morning sunlight. I love the tangent though. That was 100% worth it. Talk to me about that. Okay, awesome. Morning sunlight. Okay, so morning sunlight is absolutely essential for waking up our mind and our body. It's really important for regulating our circadian rhythm and for the cortisol like we were talking earlier. Um, when we first wake up in the morning, if we go outside, the sunlight is going to actually set our circadian rhythm and sets a timer in our biological clock for melatonin release at night. So we really need to be getting morning sunlight so that we can fall asleep better later at night. And also there have been studies showing that there is a relationship between not getting a lot of sunlight in our eyes and mental health issues such as depression and anxiety. And speaking on the anxiety part, this is something that I actually was looking into and researching not even that long ago. There is a huge connection between vitamin D and sunlight and serotonin. So vitamin D receptors are actually located on serotonergic neurons and near serotonin receptors. And vitamin D actually increases the activity of serotonin itself, and it decreases the breakdown of serotonin. So it prolongs the activity. So not only is it increasing the synthesis of serotonin, but it also prolongs the activity of serotonin. So it's basically like an anti-anxiety drug, but just found in nature because anxiety drugs are SSRIs. They block serotonin reuptake, and that's what vitamin D does or it prolongs the activity of serotonin. So it's really important for that. And sunlight also helps increase the release of GABA. And GABA is also really good for sleep and for relieving anxious um, feelings as well. So sunlight is honestly all around really great and highly recommend everyone get sunlight in their eyes in the morning on a cloudy day. If you just want to be out there for a little bit longer, um, 10 minutes 
on a sunny day is plenty. But if it's cloudy, you can just stay out for like 20 minutes. And obviously, we know that you should never gaze directly into the sun when it's like height of the day. But when it's like the morning and I guess less aggressive, are you just like looking towards it? Are you looking at it? I don't know the answer to that question. I would love to know if you do. Yeah, so sun gazing is a completely different thing. And that's a totally different topic. But you just need to be outside in direct sunlight. You don't need to look at the sky. Maybe if it's cloudy, you could try it. But if it hurts, don't do it. You just don't want to be like like under shade or under a tree or on your patio. You want to go outside and be in direct sunlight where the sun is hitting your skin. And you also don't want to wear sunglasses or anything like that or be wearing a hat. Let, let the sun hit your eyes, but you don't need to look into the sun or even really at the sky. Yeah, that's so helpful to understand that distinction between sun gazing and just actually being outside. So again, you've taught me something today. Now, another thing that people want to do in the morning is like we want to grab for the coffee. Maybe we're tired and we think it's going to wake us up. Maybe we're just conditioned in society to just like think that coffee is life. You know, someone once said to me like coffee actually tastes disgusting, but the whole world's obsessed with it. And it's kind of true. Like unless you're a real coffee aficionado, like sometimes I'm drinking my coffee and I'm like, like this one here, for example, I'm like, I don't even know what it tastes like. It's got a milk in it. It's like an almond milk from a shop in Mexico. Does it even taste like almonds? Like sometimes I feel like we have actually moved away from coffee actually being like something delicious and it's really just used as a stimulant. So I'd love to know what your thoughts are on grabbing for the coffee. You know, we're seeing more and more from, again, like the more holistic community, like no coffee on an empty stomach. It dysregulates your hormones. Like it's bad for spiking your stress in the morning. That is something that I've really tried to not do. I'm trying to now eat breakfast before I have a coffee. Sometimes, again, it's really hard if you're a busy person. Sometimes you don't have time to sit down and make breakfast in the morning. You guys should probably head towards smoothies or something if that is you, because I know that it's me. But yeah, what are your thoughts on caffeine, grabbing for a coffee in the morning? And I just love to know what you do. Do you drink coffee? Yes. So I went through a whole phase where I stopped drinking coffee because of all of this information, right? Like you shouldn't drink coffee on an empty stomach. It does spike cortisol. And that's not good. Besides all of the biological things that can happen, like physically, it actually can mess with the lining of your stomach. And that's not good either. So I don't drink coffee on an empty stomach, but there are other reasons that you don't want to as well for, okay, so this goes into caffeine and adenosine. So adenosine is a molecule that actually increases our feeling of being tired. And when we first wake up in the morning, adenosine is still floating around in our brain in synapses, binding to adenosine receptors. And when an adenosine binds to an adenosine receptor, it actually slows down the activity of neurons. So it's slowing down brain cells and it's what makes us tired. And adenosine builds up throughout the day. But when we first wake up, we still have a bunch of adenosine in our system. And what coffee and caffeine does, it doesn't actually give us energy. It actually just blocks adenosine receptors. So that is why when you drink coffee, as soon as you wake up in the morning, you're going to feel awake because it's blocking the adenosine activity. But you crash later on because when the caffeine falls off the adenosine receptor, you still have all that adenosine in your system and 
then it, and all that adenosine is now going to flow, bind the receptors, and then you feel tired again. So that's why they say you should wait like 90 minutes at least, like an hour to two, one to two hours after you wake up because it gives your brain the ability, that the chance to clear out the adenosine on its own. So that way when you do drink the coffee, you're actually giving yourself more energy and you'll, you're less likely to crash from the adenosine later in the day when the caffeine wears off. That is so interesting. I have never, ever heard about that ever before. So again, thank you so much for sharing that. So understanding that we should wait a little until we take that coffee or even eating. So we're not drinking it on an empty stomach. And I know that you are a big fan of something called L-theanine. There's also matcha. I've seen this has been blowing up on your TikTok. I'd love it if you could just tell me a little bit around what is that and is that's something that you reach for rather than the caffeine? Yes. So like I said, caffeine doesn't actually give us energy. It just blocks the feeling of being tired. So I like to reach for things that are actually going to help me be more productive and be feel more energized, but more in like a natural way. So L-theanine is an amino acid. It's found in tea leaves. It's found in green tea and other types of tea as well. But it's actually like found in the way higher concentrations in green tea in matcha. And in matcha also has caffeine as well. And there are studies that show that L-theanine in combination with caffeine uh, greatly increases our ability to be focused, have sustained attention, and feel more energized, especially in people with ADHD. So for me personally, when I read that, because I love matcha, I would always drink matcha. And I would always say, I feel like matcha gives me more energy than coffee, but I didn't know why. And then I let, whenever I saw the science behind L-theanine and caffeine, I was like, oh, this is so cool. And I love when science just verifies what I'm already doing in my life because then I'm like, oh, like this all makes sense to me now. So something that I love is L-theanine and caffeine. And there are studies that they use, they use different amounts, but I think the most common dosage for L-theanine is around 100 to 200 milligrams of L-theanine. And typically when you're mixing it with caffeine, they do it in a one to two ratio of caffeine to L-theanine. So if you have 100 milligrams of caffeine in a cup of coffee, then you would want 200 milligrams of L-theanine. But something else I really, really love that isn't L-theanine is cacao. And cacao is something that I kind of discovered last year. And I was like, why is this giving me more energy than coffee too? I was so surprised. And I know chocolate has caffeine in it, right? But this is just pure cacao. And it's actually so beautiful the way that cacao works. It actually increases the activity of all catecholamines. So dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine. So it's a natural booster of those, which is amazing. And it also has caffeine in it as well. So it's giving you uh, energy, but also it's a mood booster and mood enhancer. And when you are having an increase of dopamine and serotonin, you just feel more energized because you're more happy and excited. So I think that's an amazing way to increase energy as well. And sometimes I'll put a little cacao into my matcha and that's just like a crazy mixture. Oh, yeah. she's double feeding it. <laughs> I do it. Like that's what I'm drinking right now. This isn't, this is cacao and matcha. Yeah. 
Okay, you've just put us onto something new there. I'm like, that is something I'm going to have to try. The reason I'm also slightly laughing that you've mentioned cacao is because I'm in Tulum, right? And Tulum's very like Tuluminati, like a lot of sacred stuff going on. And there's a cacao shop. And every single morning, it's like overflowing. It's like so busy. And every time we drive past, my boyfriend always makes a joke. He always just, he just goes, ah sacred cacao like every single time we drive past every morning and now I'm like oh my god maybe I need to be like getting myself some of that sacred cacao (laughs) I'm like maybe that is why everyone why there's a queue out the door because they actually feel fucking good when they have their morning cacao don't sleep on cacao (laughs) yeah totally because at first I really didn't know either I just bought some cacao tea and it was like oh it's good for stress and I was like okay great and then I was like whoa wait a minute I feel like I'm on drugs when I drink cacao and I'm telling you it also has antioxidants and it's really really amazing for blood flow and heart health as well so there's just so many benefits to cacao and I would highly 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 recommend trying it yes definitely do that (laughs) I love that and Emily's got a ton of products that she works with that she recommends 100% so we're going to link all of that in the show notes for you there's some good combos with the L-theanine and the matcha if she has a cacao like rec we can put that in there too and I guess once you've had this morning cacao matcha combo and you're like high on life and it feels like you're taking drugs which is epic I want to talk to you about what do you do next like is exercise a morning part of your routine like do you stretch because I've started to try and do a little bit of breath work and just move my body like sometimes I am where I am at in my career right now and I know I need to learn to prioritize and it's not an excuse to say I'm just too busy because I I have to make time for it even if I can't get to the gym I'm just trying to move because I feel like my body is so tight. I don't even realize. I just get up, I get out of bed and I sit at my computer and then it's like every day my body's getting tighter and tighter. So I'd love to know your thoughts. Like, do you move? Do you flow? Do you work out? When do you work out? What are your thoughts as a neuroscientist on exercise in the morning routine? Yeah. So I actually do not drink my cacao matcha first thing in the morning. I do not do that. I wait till after I exercise. So the first thing I do, oh, which also that's another thing to add about the caffeine in the morning, that adenosine thing that I was explaining, the adenosine and caffeine, working out actually clears out adenosine. So it's an amazing way to wake up your brain. And if you love working out in the morning, which I do, and you need to drink coffee or pre-workout or whatever energy that you take in in the morning, it's actually okay to do that if you're working out right afterward because exercise clears out the adenosine and it kind of off balances that effect, but you still don't want to drink it on an empty stomach. So you'd want to have a little snack or something. But when I first wake up in the morning, the first thing I put into my body is actually my B vitamins and my herbal supplement that I take for my hormone regulation, which is, it's amazing. It's just a whole bunch of herbs and it's all natural. And I really, really love it. It's actually developed by a friend of mine and she's really cool. I met her at a conference and her company is amazing. But so I do that and I I drink that every morning and then I feel great. And then I go and I exercise. So that is something that I do usually first thing in the morning. And I walk to the gym because I just work out at my apartment complex. So I walk to the gym, which so I get my morning sunlight on the way to the gym. So it works very well for me just to kill two birds with one stone. But exercise, like I said, it clears out adenosine. So it allows you to feel more awake and alert in the morning. But it also exercise is so magical for your brain and for your body. There's so many different things that it does. It increases dopamine, 
which it's a game changer because after you're done working out, you get that dopamine hit and you are just feeling so motivated and productive to just have a super successful day for the rest of your day. And so for me, that's one reason why I love doing it. But also exercise increases the synthesis or production of endocannabinoids, which a lot of people just say, oh, exercise, you get like you feel the runner's high or you get endorphins, but you actually get endocannabinoids and endocannabinoids are the same, work the exactly the same. They bind cannabinoid receptors and those are the same receptors that cannabis binds. So it actually is the same high as from smoking. So it's a natural, you're literally, your brain produces natural cannabis and exercise does that. Yeah. So for me, it's like, okay, yeah, because we used to say, oh, you get endorphins, but you actually literally are getting high when you're exercising. So it's amazing. And I love that. It also decreases stress. Acutely, you get a like a cortisol boost from exercise, but in the long term and then like shortly after, you actually see a drop in cortisol. So it relieves stress. So it's really good for that as well. So for me, exercise is a staple first thing in the morning. And this is one of those things that I kind of force myself to do, even if I don't feel like I'm doing it, I'll just go for 10 minutes unless it's a rest day or my body's really not feeling it. If I'm really sore or whatever, I don't push myself. I listen and I rest. And my best friend was here visiting last week and it wasn't, I think I had like a call at at early, early in the morning. So I didn't have time to exercise. And I was like, let's just go on a morning walk and say our intentions for the day. And just, so just getting outside and just moving my body in some way, actually the first thing I do after I get out of bed is I like, We'll just lean over and do a couple of little, uh, I forget what the move is called, but they're basically like downward dogs. So I'll just do a couple of little stretches just to wake myself up and get the blood flowing. So yeah, I always move every single day, whether it's just a little walk or it's like a two hour workout, you know, it really just depends. Today it was 30 minutes. I love how you touched on the different types of exercise there because I feel like there's so much conflicting information out there. It's like, oh, you have to be weightlifting because it's incredible for like longevity and bone health. And like if you want to age well and you want to live longer, you need to be weightlifting. Perfect. But also you need to be doing cardio because of your heart and it's good for your heart. And then you also need to be doing the stretching and the low intensity and getting your steps in. Like there's all these different parts of it that I think is really confusing for the average person. And like you also said, there's the cortisol, right? So there's some people that are, if you're already in nervous system dysregulation and you're in like chronic fight or flight, then you shouldn't be doing five hit classes a week. That used to be me. I used to spin when I lived in London five times a week. I was, I would always say I'm obsessed with it. I actually was obsessed with it. Like now working with people like you, I understand like I was actually addicted to it. And at the time is when I did all a ton of like tests and the doctors were like, oh yeah, you have no dopamine. So of course you spin five times a week because like literally your body is thriving on it. So I think it's just really great to understand that you can do a combination of those things, some weightlifting, some walking. I personally would never run. Like, I just hate it. I, you will never, ever find me running. <laughs> like, unless it's for like a train or like an aeroplane that I'm about to miss. Like, I will not be running and I get shin splints. So I just, I'm always like, yeah, I get shin splints. Like, I can't run. Like, whatever. <laughs> 
But yeah, so that is so interesting that just to hear what you do. And I always see you on Instagram every day and I'm like, fuck, she's in the gym again. Shit. <laughs> Another day that Emily went to the gym and I didn't. And recently I've been so, so busy at work, super stressed. My mental health has not been anywhere near as good. I've been in those cycles of get up, grab the coffee, sit at the computer. And even my boyfriend said like, you need to go back to the gym. Like you are a happier, healthier person when you're in the gym. We all know that, right? We all know that, but like it is so hard to actually do it. So I hope that I've definitely been inspired by this episode to just like get the fuck back in the gym. Now, my question on exercise is that I'm not a big morning exerciser. I weirdly have got into this routine where I kind of like going at like 4 p.m. just because like I've got a good chunk of the day done and then I go, the gym's kind of quiet. Do you have any thoughts on like the time of day that you exercise? I personally cannot do it in the evening. I've tried once or twice. I am like on a fucking high at like 11 p.m. My boyfriend's like, you need to calm the fuck down and like go to sleep. And I'm like, I love life. Life is so good. Let's go on an adventure. So yeah, for me, it's afternoon. For you, it's morning. Talk to me about that. Okay. Yeah. There are a few points there that I want to touch on from before your question too. Like when you were saying about how you were going cycling every single day and like I just want to bring in that tolerance point again. And that's why I really feel like it's important to switch it up and be doing different types of exercises. I haven't been doing yoga enough as much lately, but I always like to switch it up with like cardio and then weightlifting and doing yoga and stretching and then just going on walks sometimes because you build up the tolerance to the dopamine of working out as well. So you want to be switching it up and giving yourself breaks. And like even I've heard other podcasts talk about this too, but I've found that even music, like listening to the same music every workout, like you want to switch that up too. Like sometimes I'll listen to a podcast and it's not maybe as enjoyable as the music, but it'll make the music more enjoyable next time. And so just switching it up and making sure you're keeping your dopamine in balance and not shooting for the moon and going crazy because you do build tolerance to pretty much everything that gives you a rewarding feeling. And also that's why I post on my story at the gym every day because I know like it motivates me to even go if I'm like, I'm going to post and I'm going to keep people accountable for their exercise. So it keeps me accountable too. But yeah, so for the time of day of exercise, for the reasons why, for what I explained earlier, that's why I like to exercise in the morning because it really like, is just so great for productivity. But I was talking to someone recently who shared the same thing as you, but also they were saying that they just feel so tired after working out and they don't have that huge energy boost and feeling like they want to go be productive. And that could be just like an individual difference to things. Like you see people, some people are the lion and some people are, you know, the different types of people. And I think I'm both an early morning person and a late night person, but I'm not a mid-afternoon person. I have gone to the gym late at night and I'm the same way. Like I'll, I'll be up at like 11 p.m. feeling like I can do anything. And that's not, it's not good for my sleep health <laughs> and my sleep patterns. So that's why I don't work out at night. I actually feel like I work out really well in the afternoons. I feel like I can lift heavier and be more productive in the gym. But for me personally, I think the most important thing is to think about when you are most productive in your work during the day. So for me, I'm most productive in my work during the afternoon. And so for me, I'm going to do my work in the afternoon. But if you're more productive doing your work in the morning, then it makes total sense to do yeah. your work during the morning and then exercise in the afternoon. That makes total sense. You're, yeah, we're basically the opposite of each other there, which 
makes total sense why we both take the same benefit from the exercise, but at slightly different times. And I love that you touched upon like the chronotypes, I think it's called, like the sleep cycles. Everyone has different ones. If you guys haven't gone and done the quiz, like I can link one of those in the show notes because it's really, really fascinating because I've always wanted to be a morning person. I just am not. Like there have been times when I was in London, when I was living in London and I was the height of my like basically fight or flight dysregulated life where I would be like up at 5.30 every day and I was still smoking at the time. This is like how unhealthy I was. I would like wake up, have a cigarette, have a double espresso, get on a spin bike, get off the spin bike, get another coffee from Starbucks and then go to the office. Like that just shows that my poor body at that point was just like being literally, oh God, I was like abusing it without even realizing. So that's why I'm so grateful to have people like you here. We're all just learning little bits of information that build towards like a new way of being and a new way of living. So I wanted to know whether there's anything you do in terms of like regulation to keep yourself out of fight or flight or to try and nurture like being more in your rest and digest. Maybe it's in the day, maybe it's on a rest day, maybe it's at night. Yeah. So there are a few things that I do. Uh, Meditation is one of those things. And I do it every single morning after I exercise, because for me, I feel like it's easier for me to calm my mind after I exercise versus first when I think like some people can meditate right when they wake up in the morning. But for me, my mind is feeling too lethargic and I'll just be thinking about other things. But after I exercise, I just feel naturally more clear minded anyway after exercise. So it's way easier to go into meditation. But Meditation is amazing for doing just that, relieving stress. And for example, yesterday, a practice that I do is just checking in with myself. So I was, I worked out and I was feeling, I was super busy yesterday. I had so much going on and I was going to get in the shower and I was like, I got to get ready quick so I can go. And then I was drinking my smoothie and my stomach started to hurt. And I realized, I was like, why does my stomach hurt? And then I was in the shower, just feeling the water. And I was like, oh, my stomach was hurting because I am rushing around right now and I'm in fight or flight and I need to take a minute to rest. And I was like, okay, like, what do I need to do? And I was like, let me just lay on the floor in my shower and feel the water hit my body for like five minutes. And when I tell you the difference that it made, like I just, everything came back to me and I was like, oh yeah, nothing is that important. Nothing is more important than my mental health and my peace. So laying there and just relaxing for five minutes. And then I just know if I wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have been nearly as productive yesterday. Because after that, I went to a coffee shop and I did work for like six hours straight. And I just, and that five minute lay down, because I feel like a lot of the time we don't do those things because we feel like we have to rush into getting into the next thing. But I just know that if I didn't spend that five minutes, it would have cost me way more than five minutes doing work later. And that's, for me is like super important is realizing that time is not equal and that it's it investing five minutes in one area of your life can lead to an outcome that saves you so much more time than just the five minutes. So it's really important to prioritize. And then also going out in nature for me is just so, so, so important. And it's so soothing. And there are so actually so many studies showing that being in nature reduces cortisol. So if you want to relieve stress, go out in nature. And also it boosts your energy as well. I My mom was here visiting and I was so tired and I did not want to do work. I didn't want to do anything, but I gave her a gift card to the botanical garden. So she was like, let's go to the botanical gardens. I'm like, okay. And I really didn't want to because I was so tired and stressed, but I went with her to the botanical gardens 
And afterward, when I tell you the amount of joy and happiness and energy, and I felt just reborn just from walking around in a botanical garden for two hours. So I, those are just a few of my favorite things. That is so cute. I really relate with that. Like I never appreciated nature so much until like the last two years I've always been a city girl lived in London Dubai New York LA like just been like get up let's go let's go let's go and then getting a dog and walking her in nature in the forests has like changed my life and being in Tulum she's with my parents and I miss her every single day but I when I go home those moments like that I walk her oh my goodness, like every single day we'll be in the forest together. And I just like, I'm so grateful for them. Same thing about being in Tulum. Like I never really appreciated the ocean before. Like I have a very sensitive nervous system. Hate like cold air conditioning, cold water, cold showers. All of that is like, makes me feel horrible. But I realized being in Tulum that like the ocean is so healing, just as healing as the forest is. And now I go and like dive in the ocean and I swim under the waves and I'm like, fully submersed and people looking at me on the beach like this girl is crazy whilst they're all there looking perfect like sunbathing but yeah if you have the opportunity to get in an ocean or to get in like lakes or to be in the forest like take those moments like Emily's right the studies that are coming out showing the crazy benefits that they have on our physical and mental health is wild so I love that now as we come to wrap up I would love to finish with your statement that you made before we got on here basically saying that like a good morning routine starts the night before now I just love it if you can go into that and I guess what that means to you yeah so you start your day the night before the day actually starts and It kind of never really clicked for me until I really realized the importance of sleep. And it's not just the importance of sleep, but it's also the importance of what you do before sleep. And so for me, just really maximizing the amount of time in deep sleep is the most important thing because you can be laying there for eight hours, but that doesn't mean that you got quality sleep. For me, just a few things that I will not do uh, before I go to bed are screen time, like at least an hour before bed, I don't watch TV. I don't watch Netflix. I don't check my phone. I'm not on my computer doing work an hour before bed. Like there has to be a hard cutoff, preferably two hours, but that's kind of hard sometimes. Like hard cutoff at one hour, I don't do it. And that's true for lighting as well. Like overhead lighting, it actually can mimic the sun being high in the sky. And the receptors in our retina are angled to receive light from high in the sky. So it's really best practice to turn off overhead lights and you can use lamps or whatever, like floor lamps or just lights that are not overhead lights. And then also limiting caffeine intake at least six hours before bed. Like do not drink caffeine at least six hours before bed. But just a few things that really are super good for sleep because I get a lot of questions from people about like, I have insomnia or I have a really hard time falling asleep at night or I don't get good sleep. Like what are some things that you can do? Well, sleeping in the cold is one of the best things that you can do for sleep. And to maximize on that, you can take a hot shower or bath before bed. And I know it seems uh, counterintuitive, but actually being in hot water opens up our blood vessels and it causes our body to release heat and it lowers our internal body temperature. So you want to take a hot shower or bath that actually causes your body to get colder. And sleeping in the dark is super important. But one of my favorite things, and I think one of people's favorite things as well, is the frequencies. Like I described earlier, we always have brain waves happening in our brain. And one of the ones I mentioned was delta waves. And delta waves are often associated with deep sleep. And so, for example, 
we can listen to delta frequencies to increase our amount of time in deep sleep. And it's thought brainwave entrainment is kind of what it's it's referred to as at, at the moment. But basically, we can listen to different frequencies of sound. And I really love music and the neuroscience of music. I took a whole course on it. And it's so fun and cool the way that um, we actually hear exact frequencies and the way they're registered. But when we listen to either binaural beats or isochronic tones, which is just the straight frequency, it can actually influence our brain waves and increase the power or activity of that specific brainwave that we're listening of the frequency that we're listening to. So for example, if we're listening to delta frequencies for sleep, it actually increases the amount of time that we spend in deep sleep every night and it decreases the amount of time it takes to fall asleep. So it increases the amount of time in deep sleep, decreases the amount of time it takes to fall asleep. And there has been studies showing that it relieved feelings of anxiety and anger in people the next day, which is just a little bonus. But one other one that I really like is 432 hertz frequency music. And that one's an isochronic tone. And that one actually has been shown to increase the power of alpha waves in the brain, which alpha waves are associated with being in a calm and relaxed state. So it allows you to fall asleep faster and stay asleep and sleep deeper as well. And it's also really good for relieving anxiety and stress too. Amazing. So many things there that I need to work on. (laughs) My sleep hygiene has like definitely got better. So I always go for like a pitch black room where possible. We've just moved house again and there's this like big glass door. So it's like not 100% pitch black. And as soon as we moved in, I was like, that's a problem. That's a problem. I need you to fix that. My boyfriend was like, oh my God, there's just always a problem. I was like, yes, that is a problem. I need pitch black in here. So I need to buy like a roller blind for that. But I sleep with an eye mask on And yes, cold, agree with that 100%. I also, I think it was again on a Huberman Lab podcast, was listening to that it's really, or it might have been someone else, I'm not sure, but don't quote me on that, that it's really good to have like an oxygen source as well coming into the bedroom so you can like sleep with the window open. I cannot do that in Tulum. It is literally so hot outside and like the mosquitoes will come in. So that's something that I can't do, but maybe that's something that people could look into as well. Love the thing about the shower. You're right. That's such an like underrated tip. People are like, why would I have a hot shower before bed? So I absolutely love that one. And I agree. I love the frequency musics. I need to get some frequency musics off you because I like stopped using them because sometimes I'd use like a free Spotify one and I'm like so sensitive to noise, like I already said, and I would be woken up in the middle of the night with like a fucking ad blaring and it was horrendous. And I thought there was someone in the room with me and I was like, oh my God. Um, So yeah, frequency music. Thank you so much for sharing that. And another thing I've also probably doesn't work so much if you want to do the frequency musics, but I discovered these headphones called Loop. They're like earplugs and I'm a big earplug user just because my boyfriend, he's a big snorer. And also I just, like I said, I'm very sensitive to noise. I love these Loop earplugs. I'm not sure if you've come across them, but like they're really, really cool. And there's loads of different types and decibels and stuff like that. And they can be used in the day for people that have ADHD and that want to focus and stuff like that. So yeah, I was wondering if you've come across those Loop earplugs and also where you get your frequency music from. (laughs) Yeah, I actually have. I think they actually reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to try them or something. But I was like, no, because I'm I like listening to my frequencies. So I don't want to block the sound. But I am a huge I love my sound blocking headphones. So I listen I listen to the frequencies super low. Like I don't have the volume high or anything. And then I have my sound canceling headphones. 
when I'm doing work from when I listen to my focus frequencies um, <laughs> because there's frequencies for everything. But I get my frequencies mostly from YouTube and on my YouTube channel, I have playlists. So there's like frequencies for sleep, frequencies for reducing anxiety, frequencies for focus, and they're all organized and they're all published publicly on my YouTube. So anyone can go and listen to them. Amazing. I will link all of that for everyone listening. And I think just on the sound point as well, I read a study. It was quite a long time ago now. Again, don't quote me on it. If I find it, I'll link it in the show notes. It was so fascinating. It was about how long-term sound exposure whilst you sleep, like road noise and like very intense, like outside noise has been connected to higher rates of Alzheimer's later on in life because it's basically thought that like the brain never actually goes into like a deep rest if the whole night it's like listening to stressful stuff outside and I thought that was so fascinating as well because if you think about it we're trying to switch off totally but if there's noise going on in the background some part of us might still be awake so if anyone does live in like a particularly noisy area or you live next to like a really big road or something maybe you could look into like a combination of like the frequency and an earplug. I know they kind of counteract each other, but it might be nice that even if the earplug falls out in the middle of the night, you've got the frequency music there. So on that point, I actually do live next to a road. And for that reason, that's one of the reasons why I love my frequency music because it drowns that out. Because there's also, I've seen studies that show that white noise does not actually improve your ability to fall asleep. I talk to people a lot and they're like, oh, I love my white noise machine because I slept over at someone's place one time and they had a white noise machine. I'm like, I cannot sleep with this on. Like for me, for some reason, I did not like it at all. And I looked into it <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, oh, okay, so white noise doesn't actually improve sleep at all. It just, it does exactly that. It drowns out noise. So if you live in a road or if quiet noises or loud noises wake you up in the middle of the night, it can be really good for drowning that out to keep you asleep, but it doesn't actually improve sleep. And that's why I really like the sleep frequencies because they've actually been shown to improve sleep. And then I've had people DM me on Instagram telling me their aura ring tells them they got more time in deep sleep than they've ever had in their lives or they've ever had since wearing this aura ring. And so I'm like, okay, great. So it's real. And I I don't have a ring, an aura ring, but it improves. It actually increases. So even if you're already a good sleeper, listening to the frequencies will actually improve your amount of time in deep sleep. And sleep is so important. So that is so helpful. I think my last question for you is why don't you have an aura ring? Like I've had an aura ring. I've had a whoop in my time. I actually loved the whoop, but I hated it because every time I showered, it got wet and then it was like wet on my wrist. And I was like, this is disgusting. So then I take it off, leave it next to the shower, forget to put it back on. And I didn't love the aura ring so much. I felt like the analysis of the data was like, it was better on whoop, but I know that people love aura rings. And my best friend came to visit me from LA and she had this really cute like gold one on her finger. And I was thinking like, hey, I could... I could do that. I could do a cute like gold aura ring. But I also know that I get like quite bad health anxiety and I can get really like into the the data. And sometimes I need to just like tap into how my body actually feels rather than focusing on the numbers. I'm just curious as my final question, is there a reason that you don't have one? So there isn't a specific reason why I don't have an aura ring besides the fact that I just don't have one. But what you just said honestly hits the nail on the head. Like I used to have an Apple watch and I really just, I lost it. So it wasn't like I decided it 
consciously that I didn't want it anymore, but I lost the Apple Watch. And then I realized like, oh, this is so great not having to worry about the notifications on my wrist all the time and just having another piece of technology on me, right, that I have to wear at all times. Like for me, I'm like, that's not freeing. <laughs> that doesn't make me feel free. That makes me feel like I am being connected to technology even more than I want to be. And I already have a phone. Like I don't need a phone on my wrist. And exactly what you said. So I also had like, um, not a Fitbit, but it, it's like, I used to go to Orange Theory. So I have a little like heart rate monitor and it's really cool for showing you like when you're in the different zones, like of exercise and stuff. And I really like that. But if for the same reason, like I find myself just checking it and it's like, what's the point? Like I'm not, I'm not over here trying to be a bodybuilder. And then for sleep, it's like, I'm not entering a sleep competition <laughs> with anyone but myself. And I guess that's like the thing is like, I guess it kind of like puts you in a competition for, with yourself to like get better. But for me, it's kind of just like, I like to be intuitive and ask myself like how I feel, right? So if my aura ring tells me that I got 78% sleep, but I feel amazing, then who cares? You know what I mean? And because it, it might not even really be all that accurate anyway. So for me, it's more about how I feel and then being intuitive about how I'm feeling and then also thinking about it. So like in the morning, I'll wake up and I'll feel super tired. I'm like, why do I feel tired? Oh, probably because last night I let myself watch Netflix till till too late. And just thinking about that rather than the numbers, I think is more important. Yeah, that's so fascinating. And I think the place where I'm going to wrap up here is to make everyone feel less shit about themselves, which is that Emily just mentioned Netflix. I do everything that you're not supposed to do. So I have been watching with my boyfriend this series called Mind Hunter, which is like amazing, but it was all about the child like killings in Atlanta. The whole thing is about serial killers, about murderers. And we finished that series. And then last night we were like, what should we start? And I was like, let's watch like another murder investigation thing. <laughs> so it's like 10 p.m. at night and we are watching like real life, like serial killer, like investigations. And I love it. But like, yeah, I think you're teaching me that like, maybe I should not keep that for 10 p.m. at night. Maybe I should like shuffle it forward a little bit, maybe watch it in the daytime and maybe get those screens off before I go to sleep. Right. Yes, because watching those shows is also not good for our stress levels as well. And you are bumping cortisol and yeah, it's totally going to mess with your sleep. So that's even worse than watching a normal show because, because you're not watching a relaxing show. You're watching a stressful show. And so that's going to put you in fight or flight right before you fall asleep. <laughs> I love it so much. Though. My, boy my boyfriend's like, you're so weird. Why are you so obsessed with prison programs? I'm like, I love them. I'm obsessed with prison programs. He's like, you are so weird. I'm like, yeah, it's so romantic. Let's watch them together. <laughs> oh, anyway, I feel like we've come up to time on this. We could definitely keep going. There's so much more for us to talk about. But We've covered so many things today and I just looked down at the clock and it was 111. So I'm like, oh, there's a little sign that we are right on track talking about the right things, exactly where we're meant to be. So I just wanted to say thank you. I think there's so much conflicting info out there to be able to ask a neuroscientist what is true, what is not, what's good, what's not is incredibly helpful. And like Emily said, you know, there's no pressure to have to put all of these things into your morning routine. It's about finding something that works for you. I know that I've sure picked up a couple of things today that I'm like, cool, I'm going to do that. You've also really inspired me to get back into the gym. You've also inspired me to just not watch prison 
murder serial killer programs before bed. So thank you so much for joining us again. It's been such a pleasure to have you here. And I'm sure you will be back again soon. I can't wait. Every time I would look at one of your TikToks, I'm like, oh my God, I need to get her back. We need to talk about that. So keep killing it. Keep flying. You know, we're all supporting you. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on. And I look forward to coming on again. It's always a pleasure. I love your podcast so much. Thank you. See you soon. Hello, I'm Mark. And I'm Bethan. And we're the hosts of Seeing Red. We deliver intriguing, terrifying and dumbfounding true crime stories each and every week. With a focus on cases from the UK, we do occasionally venture overseas. We've covered everything from the mysterious death of professional footballer Emiliano Sala to the attempted murder of Victoria Sillias, a woman who fell from the sky and lived to tell the tale. Binge our bulging back catalogue and join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Seeing Red.